1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
2: Tonight, the first coronavirus vaccine submitted to the FDA for emergency use as the virus spreads rapidly, nearly 190,000 cases in just one day. Less than a week until Thanksgiving, the scramble to get tested before the holiday. Why a negative COVID test could give a false sense of security. Plus, with a record-breaking 80,000 Americans in the hospital with the virus, hard-hit North Dakota now getting 60 Air Force nurses to help relieve overwhelmed workers. Breaking news and racing to a cure. Pfizer seeks approval for its vaccine, so what happens next and who gets it first? We'll introduce you to the cool box, designed to transport the shot at subarctic temperatures. A pressure campaign? President Trump meets with two Michigan lawmakers. Is he trying to overturn the election results in that key state? And the one thing he said at the White House today that hinted he knows he lost the election. Plus, could President-elect Joe Biden take legal action to get the transition underway? A very different Black Friday. What retailers are doing to bring customers back to their stores and keep them safe. Plus, why the coronavirus could keep the NBA's Toronto Raptors away from home for the beginning of the season. Mall shooting. Breaking news out of Wisconsin. What we're learning about the shooter and victims. And Steve Hartman's on the road with a reminder about all we have to be thankful for, even in the year of a pandemic.
3: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital.
2: Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Nora is off tonight. I'm Margaret Brennan. We're going to begin with breaking news and a major milestone in the race to finally end the coronavirus pandemic. Tonight, Pfizer is now the first company to apply for emergency authorization of its COVID-19 vaccine, setting off a sprint by scientists at the FDA to approve it. CBS News has learned that could come as early as the second week of December. And while a vaccine could be the light at the end of the tunnel, experts warn with new infections growing exponentially tonight, Americans should expect a lot more darkness ahead. As we come on the air, more than 2,000 Americans have been reported dead because of the virus. That is just in the past 24 hours. 80,000 more Americans are currently hospitalized. And the U.S. is now closing in on 200,000 new cases of the virus every day. That's twice as many each day as when the month began. With so many people now getting sick so quickly, there are urgent concerns tonight that the systems to both test and treat people are approaching a breaking point pushing the mayors of several large cities, including L.A. and New York, to consider new restrictions to keep people home. We've got a lot of new reporting for you and your family, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Jonathan Bigliotti is going to lead us off tonight from one of the country's largest testing sites in Los Angeles. Good evening, Jonathan.
4: Margaret, good evening. Nearly 10,000 people a day are coming here to Dodger Stadium, waiting in long lines to get tested. Many plan on traveling for Thanksgiving. As this nation braces for a possible super spreader holiday, there is a breakthrough in vaccines. Millions could be available by Christmas.
3: This is a historic day.
4: CBS News has learned teams of scientists are now pouring through Pfizer's testing data, thousands of pages, in an around-the-clock effort to deliver a vaccine. Pfizer hoping for FDA approval that could supply as many as 50 million doses by the end of the year. This as the nation reels from another record-shattering spike in cases while people scramble to get tested in time for the holidays. That new warning from the CDC to avoid Thanksgiving travel too late for an estimated 50 million who've already made plans. Dr. Anne Ramoyne is a UCLA epidemiologist.
5: You could potentially be infected immediately after you have that test and any time after that.
4: Is it safe for people to travel, to see their families, to gather for this holiday? There's
6: no zero-risk scenario here.
4: Another Thanksgiving reality, the growing number of those going hungry. The Greater L.A. Food Bank says demand this year is up 145 percent. And this line in Dallas today stretching for miles to receive Thanksgiving turkeys. A gruesome sign of the times in El Paso, where so many have died. The county now posting job openings for morgue attendants. In Oregon, they're setting daily records, not just for COVID cases, but also hospitalizations and deaths. Hard-hit North Dakota now getting 60 Air Force nurses to help relieve exhausted workers. The state now with one of the highest daily COVID death tolls per capita, not just in the nation, but in the world.
5: Are we going to be able to keep up this pace or when will staff not have energy anymore?
4: And in Wisconsin, the supervisor of a COVID ward describing the unrelenting stress.
7: At the end of the day, I would go home and go straight to the shower. Part of this was to protect myself and my family, but the other part was so I could go cry in the shower and finally release for the day.
4: Here in California tonight, a statewide curfew goes into effect at 10 p.m. If cases can't be contained, a lockdown could be ordered by Sunday. Margaret?
2: Jonathan, thank you. Tonight, we're getting an inside look at the logistical challenges of getting Pfizer's COVID vaccine to the public, including a required storage temperature you'd find in the coldest places on Earth. CBS's Dana Jacobson continues our series, Racing to a Cure.
5: As drug makers move forward with their COVID vaccine rollout, the Iceman cometh, as in the dry ice man.
4: They're taking anything they can fit in the box right now.
5: Mark Savinor from Acme Dry Ice in Cambridge, Massachusetts.
4: Never thought I'd be saving lives, but it feels really good.
5: Colder than Antarctica in winter, dry ice made from carbon dioxide or CO two is crucial for moving and storing these vaccines. Pfizer's vaccine needs to be kept at 94 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Dry ice helps maintain the subarctic temperature during shipping. Pfizer even developed a thermal shipper they call a cool box for the trip.
8: It's a shipper box about the size of like a carry-on suitcase. Tanya Alcorn
5: is a Pfizer supply chain executive.
8: There's dry ice that goes around it and then it has actually a device within it that has a continuous... GPS, and temperature
7: monitor.
5: Each cool box contains a minimum of about a thousand vaccine doses, a huge challenge for rural communities with no place to store them. I don't think
1: anybody wants to give a message that rural Wisconsin, rural America is second class.
5: Tim size represents 43 rural hospitals in Wisconsin.
0: If you can ship a thousand, you can, you can ship 200. It's more expensive, it's more cumbersome but it allows rural to be getting vaccinated at the same time urban is getting vaccinated.
5: Pfizer told us they are working to ensure equitable distribution, which is just one of many challenges. Right now, we know that frontline health care workers will be among the first to get the vaccine. But according to a recent Gallup poll, Margaret, only 58 percent of Americans say they would take it when offered to the general
2: public. Dana Jacobson, thank you. Now to a dramatic scene tonight outside of Milwaukee after shots were fired at a shopping mall. Multiple victims have been injured, but the mayor there says none of the injuries appear to be life-threatening. Police and FBI agents have flooded the scene searching for the shooter. Today, President Trump made just his fourth public appearance since Election Day. He did not take questions about his false claims of victory, nor his ramped-up effort to overturn the results in states that he lost. CBS's Paula Reed joins us now from the White House with some breaking news. Paula?
7: Good evening, Margaret. CBS News has learned that the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., has tested positive for COVID. And this news comes just hours after Rudy Giuliani's son, Andrew, who is a special assistant to the president here at the White House, announced he, too, has the virus. And we've also learned there are four other White House aides who have tested positive. But today, the president wasn't focused on the pandemic. Instead, he was busy contesting the outcome of the election. In his first remarks in a week, President Trump continued to contest the election's already settled outcome.
1: I won, by
5: the way, but, you know, we'll find that out. Uh, Almost 74 million votes.
7: He did not win, and while announcing a new prescription drug policy, appeared to admit the Biden administration is imminent.
1: I hope they have the courage to keep it.
7: Later, he welcomed Michigan state lawmakers to the White House, hoping they can help him win a state he lost, even though they have both already said they will not attempt to overturn the popular vote. Even so, Michigan's 16 electoral votes wouldn't be enough to change the national outcome. Shame on you! Michigan State Majority Leader Mike Shirkey was mobbed by protesters as he traveled to Washington today.
2: It's an attempt to subvert our democracy and undermine the will of Michigan voters.
7: The political pressure campaign comes a day after the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, held a bizarre press conference about the unsuccessful battle to overturn the election. But cracks are emerging in the Republican Party. Utah Senator Mitt Romney wrote it was difficult to imagine a worse, more undemocratic action by a sitting president.
0: Yesterday's press conference was uh, certainly about as low as you can go.
7: Today, Georgia certified its election results, showing Biden narrowly beating the president.
3: I live by the motto that numbers don't lie.
7: Certification came as Vice President Mike Pence campaigned for two Georgia Republican senators facing January runoffs that will decide control of the U.S. Senate.
0: We're going to keep fighting until every legal vote is counted.
7: Late today, following their meeting with the president, those Michigan lawmakers released a statement saying they are not aware of any information that would change the election outcome in their state. They also said they believe the process should be free from threats or intimidation.
2: Margaret. Important clarity for the public. Thank you, Paula Reed. Today, President-elect Biden met with top Democratic lawmakers urging quick action on billions in pandemic relief once he takes office. Some of his aides are now raising alarms over President Trump's refusal to let the transition begin. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe.
8: On his 78th birthday, President-elect Biden met today with two Democratic congressional leaders he'll partner with next year. In
3: my Oval Office, you're you're, me, Casa, you, Casa.
8: But there is growing frustration inside his transition team as the Trump administration continues to block access to federal agencies and resources. But I, I just think it's totally irresponsible. Now, top House Democrats are demanding the head of the General Services Administration, Emily Murphy, brief them by Monday on why she hasn't declared Mr. Biden the winner and allow the transition to begin. They wrote that her actions are having grave effects, including undermining the orderly transfer of power.
0: Delays
1: or issues with the transition could cost lives in the form of pandemic. They could make us less prepared to respond to natural disasters. It could delay distribution of vaccines. That's why this is dangerous.
8: Tennessee Republican Senator Lamar Alexander broke with many of his colleagues today and urged the White House to provide the Biden team all access necessary so that both sides are ready on day one. For now, Mr. Biden is counting on Democrats to act before he gets into office, specifically on legislation to address the pandemic. There's
6: just one big obstacle in the way. In the Senate, it's Mitch McConnell, but the other obstacle, and that's President Trump.
8: One reason Mr. Biden wanted to meet with top congressional leaders today is that in the coming weeks, unemployment benefits, rental assistance, eviction moratoriums, student loan debt relief are all set to expire. And as of now, Congress has no plans to extend the aid. Margaret.
2: Thank you, Ed. Turning now to Black Friday. The pandemic has forced retailers to make big changes, spreading out deals throughout the holiday season, making it more like Black November. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Stores
6: are dressed up in holiday sparkle.
1: I'm so excited for Christmas season.
2: But this
6: season, rising cases of COVID-19 have taken the shine off of in-person shopping an experience far different from the contact sports scenes in years past. To boost sales, retailers are taking measures to reassure customers it's safe to shop in their stores, including plexiglass shields, increased cleaning, curbside pickup, and shopping reservations to limit the number of people in stores.
3: Not only are they being challenged by the loss of retail sales, they're also being challenged by higher expenses in operating the stores.
6: Uncertain times have forced gift givers to be more tight-fisted. A new survey finds consumers plan to spend an average of $691 on gifting, 7% less than last year. E-commerce continues to grow, 80% plan to shop online. How much online shopping are you doing right now? <laughs>
5: It's okay. (laughs) I'm on a first-name basis with my UPS man.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Christine Kazakowski is the owner of the Pink Pear gift shop in Madison, New Jersey. How creative do you have to be to survive a pandemic if you're a local business? Extremely
2: creative. I mean, I have lost lots of hours of sleep laying in bed trying to come up with the next idea. And right now we're offering something called Book Your Bubble, where you can book a group of friends to come in and shop privately. So So the store is
3: closed.
6: There is some hope for small businesses. According to a new study, 86% of people who plan to go out and shop say they will visit local retailers like this one in an effort to protect their main streets from becoming boarded-up buildings.
2: Margaret? Meg Oliver in Montclair, New Jersey. Tonight, the 17-year-old charged with killing two people in Wisconsin this summer was released from custody after posting a $2 million bond. Kyle Rittenhouse faces multiple charges, including intentional homicide for killing demonstrators who were protesting the police shooting of Jacob Blake. The NBA's Toronto Raptors will have to begin their season in Tampa. The U.S.-Canada border remains closed to non-essential travel, and today the Canadian government extended that closure. As we head into a very different Thanksgiving next week, it's easy to forget the many blessings we have. CBS's Steve Hartman went on the road to remind us.
3: With the pandemic raging, schools closed, and our democracy in limbo, a holiday about gratitude may feel a little off. What can we possibly be thankful for in 2020? When I posed that question to my kids, Uh. I got crickets.
0: Well, instead of saying what we're thankful for, we could say what was hard for us.
3: We definitely could. But before giving up on Thanksgiving completely, I had a hunch that hope for this holiday might lie here, at People's Place, a thrift store and food pantry in Kingston, New York. Like most food pantries in America, People's Place has seen a huge increase in need. Right now, I'm definitely struggling.
5: I lost my job. It's been rough for everybody, you know.
3: And yet, if you ask folks here if they have anything to be grateful for this Thanksgiving, you'll get a surprising wealth of words. I'm grateful. Be alive and breathing on your own is the best.
1: My arms work, my legs work, I can walk.
3: I'm not living out on the
5: streets, I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful that we still have what we have.
3: I'm grateful for being alive. This is Gabriel, like the angel. Wouldn't give me a last name, just a revelation. Pay close attention to what this guy has to say and how he's gonna spend his Thanksgiving.
6: I'm going to have an amazing Thanksgiving all by myself. I will sit on the park bench, and I will think about the great Thanksgivings that I've had in my life and be thankful for them. One bad Thanksgiving out of 63 amazing Thanksgivings? That's pretty good odds. Maybe we should be a little more thankful for what we do have than constantly be complaining about what we don't have.
3: What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think he's right. I think he's really right.
3: Some people have lost so much, yet so many I spoke to kept at least an attitude of gratitude, as if thankfulness was sustenance.
0: If these people just found something to be thankful for, I mean, it seems like there's no way not to.
3: Revelation received. Mm -hmm. Steve Hartman, On the Road in Kingston, New York.
2: Good reminder to us all. Sunday on Face the Nation, my guests will include Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. If you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Margaret Brennan. Nora will be back Monday. I'll see you Sunday. Good night.